On this episode of Complicated Conversations, we welcome J.J. Elliott. J.J. is a professional copywriter with a degree in English from UCLA. A native of Northern California, J.J. lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her husband, two teenage children, and two gassy bulldogs. When she's not writing, she loves to read, play tennis, drink wine, and eat cheese. There are no rules for this is her first novel. Oh, JJ, I have to like really compose myself because you are just so special to me. You are really at that intersection of friend and writer, someone I got to know through writing. And I've read this book a number of times. I loved every single version. I love, I just think there's such magic in this book. I've always felt that way. And I can't believe it's going to be in people's hands soon. I could like cry. Is it surreal? <laughs> I know. And I really, you, I feel the same way. Like we went to the Northern California Writers Retreat together in 2017, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a magical, amazing, wonderful experience, even though I was allergic to the trees and ended up in the ER, whatever. <laughs> to the trees that we were surrounded by allergy that I didn't even know about. And then it was in the redwoods, but, but we came away from that. And I don't even know that we knew that this was going to happen when we were there, but we came out, you, me and Caro Burke came away from that as like this trio. And we've been, we've been workshopping our work ever since. Like really, ever I mean, since. it's like, we won't talk for months and then we'll be like, here's my book, read it, tell me everything. And Dig it's in. Like, it's a, and we it's an and then we spend gift. hours on the phone hours talking yeah. about it. And yes. It's such a gift. I don't know that. I mean, I hope all writers have something like that. Like, that, like I hadn't had that until then. I mean, I've had readers, mm. but there's something about writers reading each other's work and like pushing each other to make it better and understanding the the pitfalls and everything. And it was really cool. Amazing. So yeah. I agree. It's really fun for me to be talking to you too. Yay. Yay. It's, it really is. It's but I fun. joked with Corinne that I'm getting tired of opening acknowledgements and just seeing Corinne <laughs> Jade's name mentioned. I'm come to expect it now. Like, oh, of course, another person is thanking Corinne Jade. It's a, it is. And it's amazing. I mean, you call her the world's best writing partner. So it sounds like it was really special to have her yeah. on well, your journey all, with this book. It is really special. And it's like, we don't, the three of us, we are very different. We, like we have different stories to tell. We have, we're different writers. And I think yeah. that that is really helpful too. Like you don't really want somebody, you need writers that are going to push you to do something maybe outside your comfort zone. And yeah. I think it's been, it's, it really has been an amazing gift for me. And the three, I agree. And the three of us are pretty committed to growth. And yeah. so like, We'll, we'll say, you know, what's yeah. working, what's not working, and we'll just totally. go in on it and like, let's talk about this. Because at the end of the day, we all want what the same thing, which is like a book out in the world that is makes us happy and proud and that we can talk about on a podcast. <laughs> yes. yes. All right. Well, tell, so tell listeners about their own rules for this, which, sorry, I keep slipping up and wanting to call it Dearly Beloved. I know. The working title. I yes. know. That was the original title. The original title was Dearly Beloved, and it was because of the Prince quote, Dearly Beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life, which I love. And Prince died on yes. my birthday, so I always feel like oh. we have connection. Oh, my god! I know. Wow. I know. And, I'm, and by the way, yes. this, that was the title, and it was from that quote before he died. I just like – Yes. Oh, him. yeah. And, and then it's now there are new rules for this. And so it's about four women in Healdsburg who are best friends, kind of each other's family outside of their family. 
And they, one of them, the one that kind of has the most, seems the most put together, dies by suicide very unexpectedly. And as part of their grieving process, they hold their own funerals while they're still alive because they never want to have that experience of not saying the things that they would like to say to a friend or a loved one before they're gone. And it's not a memoir at all. I'm not in that book, but my mother died by suicide when I was 17. And I did a, I've done a ton of just work, reading, therapy, and I worked on the suicide hotlines for a few years in LA when I lived there. And so I do feel like I know enough. I never can say I know everything. No one ever will. But <laughs> about the subject to deal with it very honestly and very authentically, which I don't think is done often in fiction or on screen. Yeah. Well, we can talk about the publishing journey, but like I actually, my journey was changed by my absolute commitment to dealing with this subject in a way. I love that. Can we talk about that Yeah. now? We'll talk more about the book, but I mean, I know I was right there with you with editors from big houses that were interested in this book and they saw something really different and fundamentally different from what you saw. And I was so proud of you, but basically they wanted more of an explanation of why this happened. And that they wanted your response was, yeah, Yeah. they wanted it to be more of a plot point. They wanted like, they wanted, you know what they wanted, which I totally understand (laughs) more probably than anyone. They wanted to feel, to understand why it happened. Right. And the truth is they wanted answers. They wanted answers. And the truth is that's not the reality of mental health or suicide. And I could have done it. And I just, it felt wrong in my body. Like it was like, I can't, I can't do that. That's like, it would almost be, it would be false, a false narrative, truly. Right. So, yeah. So I started out with a, I queried, I got it. I, you know, inquired, inquired, inquired and got an agent who was super enthusiastic. She was awesome. She loved the book. She's like, she was so confident. She's like, this is going to sell. I'm going to all my top people. This is going to be amazing. I've thought, oh, I'm I'm done. Like, woo! This was probably what four years ago, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah. I was so fired up and like, you know, like, right. This know, is thought, it. Yeah, yeah, I had it all. I had it all. I mean, yeah. Not that it hadn't been a ton of work to that point, but I thought like I'm in, the, I'm in the home stretch. And then, I mean, probably the best compliments I've ever had about my writing came in rejections from like top editors. <laughs> it was yes, like yeah. so cool. Like they were like. I love her writing. I love these characters. I love the story. But, and it was, and it wasn't like there was one through line because there was like, some people would be like, it's too literary. It's too commercial. It's too funny. It's too sad. It's like, I got a lot of this shit where I'm like, I I can't even. And some people wanted it like a murder mystery. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like, did the husband do it? I'm like, dude. Oh, wrong story. Different story. No, no, no. So at the end of the day, the one thing that I felt like was common with all these editors was, can this be more of a plot point? Can we get it at the end? Like, is there a letter? Can they find a letter? Could, you know, and I was like, right. no, no, I can't no. do that. So I took it back, like with no hard feelings. I, my old ex, what is it, agent? I don't know. Is still yeah. as lovely and enthusiastic and warm as, as ever. But I submitted it to She Writes Press, which is a hybrid publisher. That was my first step. My second step was maybe to query again. And she writes, got back to me pretty quickly and was like, they either green light, yellow light, or red light a project. And it's like, yellow light needs editing, green light's ready for publishing, red light's no. And I got a green light and they were yeah. like, we love this book and it's going to be published spring of 2023. That was two years ago, which felt so far away. But 
I remember. Yeah. 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 Wow. I'm so glad that you stuck to your guns, though. I mean, to me, that's the best part to me that there isn't some neat answer and that that you explored it in what I believe to be the truth, which is in all its complicated glory. There's the nuance, you know, you you write people who kill themselves don't want to die. They just want to get off the ride. And there's all this stigma and judgment that people have still about suicide. There's all the questions that people left behind do, which you explore so well. What should I have known? Should I have seen this sign? Like the hand wringing, which is so understandable. And then worse, the people who really are like, that's so selfish or Feeney since she was a mother. How could a mother do that? And I just feel like mm-hmm. all of these things, these emotions and the reactions, you just lay them all out there. And that's the truth. And it felt really authentic. And then to have that moment when Allie thinks, for the first time, I understand that it could have been me. I've been so full of how could she's and I would nevers that I hadn't considered the fact that given the perfect storm of circumstances, I may have made the same choice. Sometimes your options are horrible. There's no sanctimony left in me. And mm. I, I just thought that was so beautiful. And I'm so glad that you kept that. And was this, you know, I, you mentioned obviously your mother and we always talk about writing from your wounds. And this to me felt like the perfect example of that. And did it give you some catharsis for your wounds? Totally. And, you know, and I didn't set out for it too. I really just like the idea for the book came and obviously it was informed by things I knew, but writing from the perspective of a friend of a suicide is incredibly different from being a daughter, right? Like there's not the same shame. The shame was a big part of it for me when I was was 17. You don't want to be different in any way, you know, and a friend doesn't have that same shame. You have, there's shame, but it's different. It's not a mother wound. Right. So I will say that it was incredibly, I mean, I saw my mom differently writing this book and I saw her much more lovingly and much more generously than I did Mm -hmm. probably ever before. And I don't, I'm not harboring anger at my mother. Like I, I, the journey I went on was so that I could understand how someone could get to that place, which I think I do understand to a certain extent. I mean, that passage is kind of probably exactly that, right. Where it's like, Mm -hmm. I can't judge like this. I don't, I didn't have that life. I didn't have that Mm -hmm. set of circumstances. So yeah, it was incredibly healing in in a way that I didn't expect. It was very cool. Yeah. That comes through. It does. It does. But as you, I mean, it is a novel, it's fiction and you've, and it's really about friendship. A lot of this Mm -hmm. is, is I, we were talking about it at the current Northern California writing retreat, which I went on this year and kind of Heather set up the, the premise. And I was like, but, but wait, it's like, it's the sweetest, funniest, like, coolest book you want to hang out with all these people this is not you know I know sad, I was gonna be like, I swear it's not that sad it's not that oh I mean, it's, it's not it's, sad, but uh, it's, it's not. not at all it's such a wonderful mm-hmm. celebration of life and and friendship and so we've got Allie Max Liddy and Feeney and Allie says 
Allie is one of my favorites. She, she yeah. learns of Feeney's passing and, and you write, the four of us were supposed to grow old together. I know that's what you're supposed to think about your spouse, but for me, it was my friends. When I imagined my golden years, it was the four of us, a little stooped, a little shriveled, but together as always. My friends were my dock, each holding up an essential piece of what keeps us all above water. Mm. And it's just such a beautiful, like I said, sort of celebration of a friendship. So tell me about what friends mean in your real life and what you brought to this novel with that. So I have always said that I won the friend lottery and I do feel that way. And I really have, and I have friends, I kind of have these tight knit groups of friends from like, I have a group from college. I have a group from high school. I have like a group from when I lived in LA in my twenties, like, and they all are still a huge part of my life. And it, it, maybe I was an only child until I was 14 and then my mom passed away. I mean, I don't know if I like, this is, I went out looking for family, but I, and, and I have zero time for bullshit with, with friends or people. Like, I'm like, if I, like, if, I, if you give me yeah. any drama, I'm like, and you're out, like you're out the door. Yeah. So I <laughs> exit left. <laughs> yeah. Bye. So I really yeah. do have these incredible groups of friends and I do feel like it's family. I mean, it's like, it's oxygen, you know, I really, and I have an amazing husband, my Tim is a great partner, but it's insane to think that any one person is ever going to give you all the things you need or even be the person you want to talk to about something. Like, it's not, it's, no, no, it's not always going to be that. So yeah, yeah, friend, my friends have been a huge part of my life, basically my family too. And I think this book is very much an homage to female friendship, which I don't know that it's explored as enough. I mean, so much is romance, so much is thriller, so much, and which I love all of it, Yeah, yeah. but it's like yeah. female friendship. I mean, it's it a is a romance. I feel yeah. like it's a romance. It It is, you know, like true female friendship and connection is every bit as romantic, I think, as it's you know, intimate. It, yeah. it requires time and energy and joy and all of the things that we associate with a single partner, Absolutely. like a romantic partner. Yeah. And yeah, I, and I will of- say, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but I also explored, at least in Allie's case, if sometimes you can be a little too invested in your friends and not, and you know, maybe yeah. being a yeah. little bit, maybe too in love yeah. and not, yeah. Yeah. Putting, yeah, putting your energy. Yeah. We're going to come back to the husband. Yeah, okay. Cause, oh, but I mean, so is- the point is I don't, it's not, it can be, it's beautiful and, and wonderful and we all need it, but it can also blind you sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it can be consuming. It can can be be consuming. consuming, Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. JJ, obviously you are the common thread. I'm not surprised to hear you have all of these like groups because also we started out talking about the one that you, me and Carol have, you know, made from that just a few days together in Northern California in 2017, you hold close and hold tight. And I am that way too. And no time for bullshit. And it just, brings together the right people. It's the right magnet. So it's obviously you are a huge part of that. But I also like can say this, it's not like, I I mean, the fact that we came away from that retreat with each other, like that's not normal for me. I don't No. I don't go out seeking these connections, like really. And I, and I don't feed ones that aren't feeding me back. Going to be that. Yeah. It was very, yeah, no, I've, yeah, I'll tell you, 
that was like one of the first retreats I ever went on. And I did go then subsequently every year looking for my next JJ and Caro and I've <laughs> never, ever found it. Yay. And good. Lucky yeah, us. No, don't go I, finding more I don't, JJs and Caros. It's no. not normal. No. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you say it isn't sad and I agree. And the female friendship part is so uplifting and funny and you decide to do these funerals. We have to talk about the funerals. Yes, of course. But they're, I bawled. Bawled. It, bawled through every single one of them. First of every all, Every time concept. I read it, yeah. I cried. Cried. Yes. And they're wow. beautiful. So you, you, they have this idea to celebrate each other because it's a great point you make. When you pass away, you don't get to hear all the things that people say about you. Right. So you wrote, they did these funerals and every single word you wrote for each person to say of the other was just perfect, by the way, just a perfect description of the characters themselves, but bawling, bawling. I mean, and then I thought, why don't people do this? I mean, I know maybe not go to the full extent of going to a church and literally having the funeral, but I was saying to Corinne, maybe even if you wrote it to someone, like wrote the eulogy, you would write... I mean, have you done this or is this, are we going to, no. are you going to start a movement here maybe? It's so funny. I have a friend who's like bound and determined that I'm going to start a movement. My friend, Michelle, think- uh, she's like, we are doing this. We're, you're going to have your own funeral. We're going to have our, I'm going to have a funeral and we're going to film it and it's going to go on social media. And I'm always like, uh, that's overwhelming to me. I don't know. Maybe, it, sounds amazing. I, I have not done it. I do think it's probably, it is kind of ridiculous that we stand up and say these amazing things about people when they're dead. Like, what the fuck? Gone. That's so stupid. Yeah. Right. <laughs> really, right. Truly, yeah. I actually, a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, so my friends who know I'm a writer, obviously they'll ask me for help with writing stuff. And she, she wrote this eulogy and it made me cry. I didn't even know this person. And I, she sent yeah. it to me. And I, I honestly was like, I don't have anything to add to this because eulogies are so personal. It's not about the yeah. writing. It's like about yeah. the stories. Right. And, yeah. and she was like, are you sure? You, you know, I'm not a writer. I'm like, it, it's perfect, you yeah. know? And it was like, yeah. I do, th- it, but it, I was like, this is so sad that this is the, this is the moment that this person has. She's standing up in front of all these people and saying this amazing things and remembering these amazing stories about this person. The person's gone, you know? So, yeah. and not to say, I mean, you know, I, I'm all woo woo and maybe they're still there, but, but it's, the, yeah, it's, but it's not the same, you know, it's like, you, no. you could have said that on a phone call, know. you know, yeah. but that's also weird. I mean, you know, it is, it's almost like you do need some sort of like, it's almost like a wedding for your friends, you know, like yes. you need some sort of like ceremony where it's okay. Your to vows. Up. Yes. Yeah. And be like, this yes. is why I love you, you know? Yes. Yeah. I, I love that. Start a movement. Yeah. Okay. But it's also why it works in fiction, right? Because it, you take real life and you put it up to a 10 or a 20, you know, right. the, you turn the volume all the way up. It's something we would never do in real life, but the idea is so enchanting and it immediately seizes you like, why, why aren't we doing this? It sounds so good. Yeah. yeah. And it's almost like, I mean, yeah. Would we ever go through all the hoops to go to a church and meet the, with the reverend right. and, but why not? Like, why wouldn't you? Why right. you do it for your wedding? You know, it's like, right. Why? Well, I don't know. I mean, Maybe yeah. we are. Maybe we are going to start a movement. Maybe this is going to happen. I, yeah, the momentum <laughs> like we is need building. Like a hashtag, like yeah, eulogies. Now I don't know. Living, we need living funerals. Yeah, living memorials. Oh my! Yeah. Actually, there yes. is apparently like a movement about living memorials where people. There's been a lot of people. I've actually been reading about it recently. Who, if they have like a terminal illness. 
they will mm-hmm. hold yeah. like a living memorial with their friends. And they're basically like, don't do this when I'm gone. Let's do it now. But it's like, do you need the, do you need the terminal illness? Can you just do it? Right. Could we just, exactly. Could we just yeah, do I mean, that? Are, aren't but, we all terminally ill? Really? It's some, yeah. it, some point yeah. of our yeah. life. We're yes, we are. Ill. We're all going to die. All, so let's oh, do it. Oh gosh. But those funerals were just perfection. I mean, they were just so, so good. I was, yes, just bawling. So I know it's not sad, but also I'm I need to talk about- upset that you cried, Kate. I, cried. I don't want to- Yes, I in a beautiful way. Because it's yes. a, it's yes. a, it's a, that's a feeling just like laughter, right? That's an, it's yes. an expression of an emotion that's, I'm okay. I'm okay with you crying about my book. That's yeah. right. Well, and then I cried some more. So now I have to talk about grief and I, I promise yes. not to cry, although I'm not really good at that when I say that, you but I'm not cry. going to. But well, so because I did lose my father to a terminal illness- I do have trouble sometimes with descriptions of grief in books or movies or TV shows, as you can imagine. They just somehow and often don't resonate with me oh. if they're, yeah, well, if they're just too, if they don't really adequately get at the pain, I guess, or at least the way I experienced it. I, obviously, everybody is different. But one of the things that really I thought was so incredible was the way you described how it affects you physically, like actually Mm. to your physical body. And I want to read a passage that I think is just so perfectly describes it. Ever since Feeney died, it's been all motion and emotion. I feel like I've been beaten up from the inside out. Something you don't know about grief until you're smack in the middle of it is it's really fucking physical. This is not, I feel sad. This is, I feel like I can't breathe properly. Like somebody ratcheted my ribs in by several inches. My eyes are so dry, I can feel them move in their sockets and they burn until they're crying. Then they swell almost shut. I'm exhausted all day, but can't sleep at night. So my bed is both a blessing and a curse. I have pain in parts of my body that were just words before. Sternum, cranium, brow bone. After crying, my body hurts in the same way it did that one time I had food poisoning. And I mean, that to me is just, (sighs) I could never have described it better than that. And I just feel like we had this conversation with Lisa Tadeo and she talked about how it felt like being bitten by a shark. Tiger bite. Tiger bite. bite. I always say shark when it's a tiger, but something with big teeth and you're bleeding out. And so any other descriptions that are too that just really don't get it that I just don't make sense to me. And this just made so much sense to me. And I just, I'm not even sure I have a question. It's literally just, you did such an incredible job to me of getting at like sort of the horror and the pain. Yeah. 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 And I, I think through many drafts, I had never experienced grief that way, really grief at all until this most recent one after my grandmother, who was very, very close, I was very, very close with. And when I read it this time, it hit me and I didn't know. So tell me where in the process, I mean, it was just perfect for me too. I, that's how I experienced grief, especially the bed being your enemy and your comfort. Like it's, but when did you write that? Was that something that just came out of you the first draft or was it something that you tinkered with and changed? Yeah. Tell me. So I've been writing this book for gosh, probably 10 years of my life. And Corinne has been reading it for at least five, probably. And my dad passed away in 2018. And so I've been well into this book. But I, it had been a long time since I'd felt grief, that kind of that visceral grief. Mm-hmm. And I also 
when I was grieving my dad, I realized that I never like truly properly grieved my mom because I was, there was so much shame. I was so bound and determined to be everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Like, don't, don't look at me. Don't right. like, it was, it was, don't make was a big deal. Comfort yeah. around it. Whereas my dad died, I would just like go in the backyard and cry my eyes out in the middle of the day. And my kids would be like, Oh, I'm sad because Papa died. Right. And I really, that was my first, like that passage was directly from my dad's death where I remember being, I remember saying what people need, like people send you flowers and like meals and so it's like, great, but you know what you need? You need sleep, preferably like drug induced because you can't do it on your own. Knocked out. You need hydration. Like I needed an IV drip. Like I was so dry all the time from crying and the things that you need, you're never going to get, right? So a lot of the passages about, I mean, my book became a lot more raw around grief after my dad died because I really went through it. And I, it's not, I mean, I've known grief a long time, but this was like the real physical nature of it. And in fact, when I have friends who lose parents, you know, which is happening to us all, I literally give them like a bottle of wine and like some eye drops and like a, a massage certificate, you know, it's like, yeah, what you need. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. That's another interesting thing that happens. You do start thinking about what gets sent to you. And then now what you know, you think really and should listen, be listen, every gesture is yeah. a lovely gesture, but it's like when you've been through it, you know that you need something more than a you know, bouquet of flowers. Yeah. Flowers are wasted, yes. A lovely gesture, yeah. but it's not going to help yeah. you in that moment. No, yeah. not in any way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about the husbands, which mm. we already yeah. uh, kind of alluded to. And that is something that... I believe Carol kind of really pushed you on that, like keep developing them. And they really have just, they shine and those relationships are not just pushed aside. I think because like you said, sometimes you get really focused on your friends such that it's consuming and you kind of like block out. And I think I was a little bit more on the opposite side. I was like, yeah, yeah, we don't need more husbands. Don't worry about it. And the way you developed those relationships just adds so much to each person's character and each person's journey through their own grief and how they handle it and and what is revealed to them about their own relationships. So talk about your development of those husbands and how you brought them out for each character. That's an interesting question. I feel like the husbands were part of the character themselves. Like I knew Max needed an incredibly considerate, thoughtful, you know, emotionally evolved husband or else she wouldn't be married. Right. I knew Liddy was so nurturing that she could easily get taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. Not that it had to happen, but, and Feeney, like I wanted that relationship to be kind of, not everything it could be, right? And that was yeah. kind of on a lot on Feeney. So mm-hmm. on both of them, maybe. And then with Allie, like Corinne knows, like that relationship became much more developed in later yeah. versions where I really wanted her to be like, shit, I kind of wish it was you. <laughs> I kind of mm-hmm. wish yeah. you died. Not because she really does, but in that moment when you've lost mm-hmm. like this dear, dear friend and there's this, your husband's right there. And, you know, it's like you're taking him for granted probably. I really wanted her to have that feeling. And, you know, Allie is the only character who really hasn't felt much grief or hasn't had much strife, right? Like she's kind Mm -hmm. of been okay. Her parents are alive. You know, she's like plugging away and she's got this great partner, but she might not even understand that. And she doesn't really. And I don't think until she goes through this stuff. So I wanted her to 
see him differently because she had this hole in her life and she was maybe compensating for that, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, Allie and yeah. Drew were really, that was, I thought that was so well done. I mean, first how she's pushing him away. And like you said, I mean, she goes so far as to say, I wish it was you, but also just, I can't, he's doing all the quote unquote right things and he's there for her, but she's like, I just, she just keeps pushing him away, you know, because yeah. she says at one point fighting is easier than laying myself bare you know it's just easier to fight with you right now because or else I'm just going to break down and and then when she ultimately does and kind of it brings them back to closer together and him being the support that he wants to be for her I thought their arc was so beautiful and then his speech about her at her funeral Mm. oh my god about seeing her I mean, you know, if you listen to us, you know we're a sucker. I'm a sucker for the being seen. But his speech was just, yeah, about I see you. Yeah, I I almost feel like she didn't understand how much he saw her and how much he loved her until that all happened. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. her fault necessarily. She just hadn't really gone through that journey where she could look at him and be like, oh, my gosh, like you you really do see me and, and I need you. And I think that was maybe scary for her, you know, Mm -hmm. until she accepted it. Yeah. 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 We had to have one asshole husband, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. You had to. You know, yeah. Seems statistically. There always is one. (laughs) Right? That was fun to write. I had 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 fun with that one. (laughs) Yeah. And Liddy finally standing up for herself. I loved that. But I want to ask about the structure. So I think, so you do the back and forth in terms of past and present, which is great because then we get to sort of see them all together, their friendship, Feeny, yeah. Feeny and the, the women together. And then of course the present, what they're dealing with. But you also have Feeny's journal, which I thought was a really effective technique of terms of making her still present in a way. And we actually get her words, her own words because of that. And you get some explanations from it. Maybe they just get more insight into her, but tell me about how you decided to structure it using the journal. Like how have you, did you always sort of know it was that way or, or did your writing partners help with this? Well, I, I, when I first started writing the book, like the first 30 pages, which pretty much have not changed. I mean, like they came out of me like they were, it was like a fire hose. Like it was like, what? I'm a writer because I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a copywriter. I write for advertising. I'd never written fiction before. And when I got this idea, I'm like, I'm just going to sit down and play with this idea. And then it just like, and it was like characters and it was, and the, the first flashback happened like that. I mean, it really just, it was felt channeled. I can't explain it. Mm-hmm. And then I thought it was going to be easy and haha, that's not true. <laughs> so the flashbacks happened just, that's how it came out. That first flashback with the with Max being engaged, that all just kind of came out, and so it that was I guess that I went with the structure that it decided it wanted yeah. to be. The journal didn't come till later. Corinne, I'm not. If you, did you read versions yeah. without the journal? I did. Yeah, yeah. and we had many conversations about the journal and and what what it should be and how much it should be there. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it just felt like her just being gone, gone. You know, right off the bat. We could get back to her in the flashbacks, but she's such a big character and personality. And I, and I also wanted her friends to hear a different side of her because she didn't share the things that were really going on with her. And that's on her. Like that wasn't their friend's fault, but she had this kind of shimmery, vibrant personality and she nurtured it and she relied on it, I think. And I wanted her friends to hear a different side of her. 
that she couldn't maybe share for whatever reason in while she was alive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she was really much weird. more contemplative and she loved poetry and she, you know, things that her friends didn't know. Um, yeah. And it's kind of a, it's like, it's both an invitation to get to know your friends better. And it's an invitation to share yourself more with your friends because yes, like those are pieces of our heart, you know, and that's who we are. Mm-hmm. And it was sad. It's a little sad that she only shared it with her journal, yeah. not her husband. Because we have every children, indication. Yeah. Cause we have every indication that they would have, you know, yeah. Yeah, ta- it was, taken it on. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, yeah. it's not anyone's fault. It's just, I mean, she was programmed from an early age to be a certain way. And we see that play out and we see family like, yeah, her family. And you, you know, my mom was a lot like that. My mom was very much kind of like, everything's amazing. Everything's amazing. And I believed it hook, line and sinker. And so did a lot of the community, the world. And so when she died, it was a huge shock to a lot of people because it was like, she really had put it out there that she was doing great. And And I think it's easy to do. And it's in, we don't have any reason to not believe that, you know, with people and, you know, it's a different, it was a different life and culture back then. And, but it's still, I mean, still people feel like they can't Uh talk about this stuff. And I'm so, I mean, I really do. That's a big conversation I want to open up in general with this book is like, I mean, most people are suffering with mental health issues off and on their whole lives. (laughs) It's just yeah. It's like it's like acting like we shouldn't have physical pain. Like we have emotional pain. And yeah. it's it's so anyway. But I feel strongly <laughs> about like it being I mean, she Feeney could have gotten the help she needed. She just didn't ask. Yeah. And she didn't raise her hand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about this with a another author talking about postpartum stuff. I mean, e- even as as acceptable as it is to talk about now, it just feels when it's you and you're, you're struggling with it, it feels really hard to like let it out and to, to let someone else into oh my God. that. And especially, and, okay. I, I, okay. So especially you just had a baby. Everyone's like, you just had a baby. Like, oh yeah. I mean, how many people want to have babies? How many people can't have babies? Like, or that you have this perfect family. Like you have a husband that loves you. You have these beautiful daughters. Like how can you feel that way? It's almost, I almost feel like the people that have more going on that seems positive to the outside world have less of an opportunity or reason to talk about it. Right. It's like, why, you know, people are just going to look at you and be like, what's wrong with you? Why are you depressed? You have a reason to be depressed. And as if there's, should be a reason. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yes. It, it, like you wouldn't say like, you don't have a reason to be diabetic or yeah, you don't have right. a reason to be, have cancer. You don't have or a reason. Or have a broken right. leg. Or, yeah, know. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, like, it's, it's, it's just, yeah. it's remarkable how, I mean, we're still, it's so much better than it used to be. I mean, when my mom was yes. suffering, it was really difficult and she didn't want to take medication and the medication was terrible. I mean, it was just a bad right. time and it's getting better, but needs to get a lot better. Yeah, it, I think it's getting better outside of us, but it's there's still something internal that just there's such a barrier that feels like I can't break through this just to, to say it to someone and yeah. how will they react and and how will it be without knowing that sometimes when you say it 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 takes away so much of the power of of what it feels like inside Absolutely. just just by saying so it I, sometimes. Yep, when I worked on the suicide hotlines <laughs> 
you get a lot of training, as you can imagine, there's like a very in, intensive training before mm-hmm. you start working the hotlines. And the thing that is like one of the biggest things they say is like right off the bat, are you thinking of killing yourself? Ask the question. It's not a bad question. The person is either going to say yes and be so relieved to talk about it, or they're going to be like, no, 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 what are you talking about? And then you're right. like, okay, right. let's talk about something else. I mean, on the hotlines, right. most of the time the answer yeah. is yes, but it's like, yeah. and then yeah. it, they would be so relieved just to talk about it with somebody. And they then said it out loud. They said yeah. it out loud, and nobody was like freaking out. It was like, right. we were they actually, to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I'm here to listen. And then the craziest thing is that a lot of the time, the thing that would make them feel better is like, have you tried going for a walk? Have you taken a bath? Do you have a pet? I mean, the yeah. littlest things. They don't want to die. They're in crisis in that moment and they need a way out and they, they can't think of it in their own yeah. headspace because right. they're in such, such crisis. So it's like this, it wasn't like we were doing dramatic life-saving things. We were literally yeah. just like, hey, I'm making a voice here and have you thought, thought about this? Have you thought about this yeah. option? And they just want to get off the ride, as you said. So you give them to... options of just ways, easy ways to just. Mo- and it might just be momentarily. Right in that moment. Back, yeah, in yeah, that you moment. Call back in an hour. Yeah. You can call back tomorrow. Like, yeah. we're going to be here. Like, you know, it's like it, it, it feels, I think, back to the kind of the plot point, right? Of the, it's like it feels to the outside world like it's like the biggest, gnarliest thing, you know, suicide. And it's like, I think to people who are in that mindset, they just are like, can someone just please give me another option? Cause I can't think of it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. JJ, for all we've already talked about how much I know about you in this book, in your acknowledgements, I found something that I didn't know. I didn't know kind of the origin story of this, which was oh. a therapist asking you, what do you do for you? Yeah. So can you talk more about that? Yeah. Um, I have the world's best therapist, by the way, if anyone ever wants her number. Love it. She's amazing. And she, I was there for like, I would just go to her here and there more for like tune-ups, you know? And I, she asked me that question, what do you do for you? And I remember almost being like, what do you mean? Like I couldn't yeah. under, didn't even understand what that meant at the time yes. when we were little kids. I was like, I take a shower sometimes. Yeah. Um, sometimes. I eat, sometimes. I eat food every day. I drink wine. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I'm like, what are you asking? And then she's like, well, and then I literally didn't, I was like, I go to the gym. I, I couldn't think of an answer. And she's like, well, before you had kids, like before that you, you know, what did you used to do? And I was like, I used to write. I used to write poetry. Actually, I was, a, I loved writing poetry. I took a poetry class in college and always wrote poetry and which isn't that shocking to think that I became a copywriter, which is like a very spare way of writing, right? right? Yes. Um, yes. And I even right. think my book is pretty spare. It's not, it, you know, it's not very long. <laughs> but I was like, oh, yeah, I used to write. And I, it was, almost felt like I was cheating on somebody when I was like, I'm going to go write. And, and I, would, I couldn't do it at home. I had to, like, I was working at the time in an ad agency and I would take my laptop and go to this little wine bar around the corner and like sit there and like have a glass of wine and, and write. And I didn't even tell oh, my I husband for like months, yeah. months. I didn't, I was, a, it was like a secret I had because I was like, I don't really know if this is, I'm going to do anything with this. And I kind of, and I had massive imposter syndrome. Like, who do I think I am writing fiction? What? Mm-hmm. I mean, but I was, I loved it. I, it was totally like exciting. It was like this thing I was doing for myself. And, and then I finally did tell my husband. And of course he was super supportive and lovely about it and was like, why don't you go on a retreat or something? And I was like, oh my God, I know about this retreat in Montana with Laura Munson, who I'd re- loved her book. And, re- and I, because I loved it so much, I Googled her and found out she had this retreat. And he's like, go, go on it. 
And so I went on it with like the first 30 pages, the ones that were easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I had a one, I like had purchased extra, like a one-on-one with her uh, specifically about this, my 30 pages. And I went in and sat down with her and I was so nervous. And she was like, JJ, I don't say this to very many people, but this is going to be a book and I'm going to be at your book signing. And by the way, she is going to be at my book signing at Book Passage in San Francisco later this month. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. 14, 2014, almost (gasps) Oh my gosh. Yeah, so, and she she just gave me, she, she infused in me like the belief because it's like, if she believes I can do it, I better fucking believe I can do it because like, I got to do this now for her and for my husband and for, and for these characters. Actually, it was really the characters. Like these characters need, wanted to be heard. I, I felt that oh, loud yeah. and clear. Their names came to me. I mean, it was crazy. Anyway, that's how the whole thing started. And mm-hmm. I did really feel like it was like a reclaiming of myself. It was a reclaiming of like who I always was, really, frankly. Mm-hmm. I was always loved to write from the time I was little, little, little. Right, yeah. right. Oh, that is such a good story. Yeah, I, love I love that, that. she's coming. And you know that this is just going to lead me nicely into, you know, if we're talking about a little bit of fate and what's meant to be and, you know, our love of astrology, you just had your birthday. You're yes. a Taurus. Happy a birthday, Taurus. by the way. By the way, I was three weeks early, so I wanted to be a Taurus because <laughs> I was born on the cusp and I am ah. all Taurus. I'm all Taurus. So Tell us I, how. How are you all Taurus? Oh, honey, I am stubborn. I love of wine. No, I love yeah. wine. I'm self-indulgent. <laughs> I I am like easy, calm, 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 calm. And then I see red and then I'm go. Like it's like I'm very rarely prodded, but when I am, I go. I have shoulders. <laughs> I I actually okay, you think like, you like home. have the bull the bull I know home. yeah like I, I yeah. mean I'm, well it's like I, I think I look like a Leo with the hair it's like yeah you're yeah. taking on the physical attributes you're saying I yeah. actually sometimes before I serve in tennis I actually like do the foot put the, do the foot back <gasps> oh my god I love I this love okay we can be partners for sure now that you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. like I, I I don't know and I was born in the year of the ox like I can't escape it I'm like I'm just like a I'm a bull. And I have bulldogs. That's right. That's right. (laughs) I mean, so that's, I have to ask another woo woo thing while we're on it because I, with this. So there's, I know. So there's a scene where they go to a By the way, I did not plant this. I did not plant this. Oh, really? We have done, yes. I I don't even know. Biting myself. No, because of the Kenny Loggins. I was just like, the Kenny Loggins concert. And there's, you know, there's this, they get a sign. They view it as a sign that he plays her song, a song that he doesn't normally play. And I loved that. And I was curious, though, like what your relationship is with signs for people who have passed. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this could be an entire podcast. I <laughs> oh God. am a big believer in science and I okay. kind of always was, but like, as I got older, I started acknowledging them more. And I also just started like believing in them more, frankly. And okay. on my 40th, was it my 40th birthday? I think it was my 40th birthday. I woke up and I leaned over my bed and there was a tiny, tiny shell, like a, a, a perfect shell on the floor on the side of my bed, my mother and my grandmother both grew up in Hawaii. And I always think of like Hawaii when I think of them. And I was like, how in the hell would a shell have gotten into my house next to my bed when I woke up on my birthday? And then this year, okay, I I, I didn't even have this teed up, but I have to now tell you because so my 50th birthday was just 
last week or a week ago. And I got in my car and the first thing I did on my 50th birthday is I had my Botox adjusted. Oh, <laughs> excellent. Uh-huh. And then I got in my car after getting my Botox adjusted and I, I plugged in my phone into the car charger and it started playing a song. And I don't, I don't even, I don't know this song. I've never heard the song. I'm, it's Johnny Cash. I'm not a Johnny Cash fan. I don't even know how it got on my phone. And the craziest thing is it wasn't the whole song. It was just the last verse. So I don't even know how you start a, a song on the last verse. And this was the verse. Oh no, I never got over those blue eyes. I see them everywhere. I miss those arms that held me when all the love was there. I wonder if she's sorry for leaving what we'd begun. There's someone for me somewhere and I still miss someone. Oh my God. Oh my God. I just, I sat there in my car and tears came out and I just said, I know you're here, mom. I know you're here. Thank you. I love you. Like, oh, I have goosebumps all over. I have tears in my eyes. I know. It was, I can't explain it. It's like, I would have to turn myself into knots to explain it any other way than it was my mom. Like, Mm. and she had really blue eyes. Like, I can't. That was just, I, oh I just, God. and I took it for what it was. And I just said, thank you. And I yeah. love you. And yes. I felt her like, I mean, anyway, I am a sign <laughs> all over the place. Like, <laughs> wow. Like, so to answer your question. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm kind of into it. I'm into it a little bit. Do you ask for them, you know, or do you mm. just wait, wait for them to come? You know, some people say, um, you can, I have you done something you should ask. Yeah. Okay. I've done both. There's a book called signs. Do you know about the signs? Yes. I was, yes. yes I have okay. I've yes. read the book. Yeah. I've okay, read it too. So I haven't read the whole book. I started listening to it on audio. And mm-hmm. one of the things she says is ask for something really random. Yeah. Have you guys done this? That's where I got this. This is where Laura I got Lynn this from. Jackson. Yeah, Laura Lynn Jackson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The secret yes. language of yes. the universe. So, oh yeah. Exactly. And the, so I was like, I'm going to try this. It's going to be dumb. It's not going to work. I asked for Pinocchio because I was like trying to think of something really random that I wouldn't get. And the very next day I had, I, someone, a friend of my son's, they were going to school or I can't exactly remember where they were going. Oh no, they were going to a drama class actually. And so they said, can you pick up our daughter to go to this drama class with your son? And I was like, yeah, I'd never picked her up before. I'm like, sure, absolutely. And I picked her up and I was like, just trying to make conversation with her. I'm like, Hey, have you been in other performances with this group? And she goes, yeah, I was in Pinocchio. <laughs> and I almost, oh, I was driving and I was like, uh, uh-uh. like I almost was oh. like, do I pull over? I'm not okay right now. Like I'm not okay. Yes. So <gasps> I have to do like, this. I haven't tried that. I remember her saying that, but I didn't scary do it. Because you're, you're like, what if I don't get it? Yeah. Like, it, I mean, it is yeah. scary. I I, that was the only time I've literally ever asked. So I, I haven't done it since then. But I mean, I think it like only confirmed that I like think that this is real. But what I do is I say, thank you. Like, I feel like when I get a sign that I yeah. know it's a sign, I'm just, I, 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 I acknowledge it. And I'm like, thank you. Like, mm-hmm. I, I really needed that. I thank you. So, yeah. oh, um, and wow. I believe that that helps, you know, that that generates more, you know, yes, more. I'm just buying into it. I'm leaning into it. I'm leaning into it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Kate, I, love it. I, I got a call. This is a little bit of a side note, but I got a call from Carrie Lee, who I, who I text with, but never calls me. Mm-hmm. She calls, I pick up. I'm like, Hey, how's it going? We start talking. She also loves Laura Munson and has been like trying to go on her retreat. And she's telling me about, she's telling me about this whole thing. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, I just talked to JJ, Carrie Lee and JJ met. Like what? Stop. (laughs) This is a, we should tell the listeners, Carrie Lee is a mutual friend from college. 
Okay, yes. so she, she where did she meet you, JJ? At Laura Munson's book signing in Santa Monica. And then we all hung out afterwards at the hotel and had like lots and lots of wine and cheese and crackers. And it was Um, just crazy for me to think about. I hung out with her all night and I had no, we didn't make the connection until she said something to you. Why would they? Yes. Why would they? Yeah. And then then all of a sudden. I met Laura Munson last night and then Corinne's like, oh, my friend JJ. And she's like, I was hanging out with her last night. We hung out last night. Oh, Stop. And it is amazing for me to think about. I can't even tell you how many times I've gone back to that idea of like just the two of you, two people who I love so dearly, hanging out and having nothing to do with me, just enjoying each other. It's the same way when Kate's like, oh, I know I'll love her. I'm like, you would totally love her. I'd love to see you guys going playing tennis. It just, (laughs) it makes me so happy. Yeah. I mean, clearly it's already happening. So I- It's crazy. Yeah. I love it. That is really Mm -hmm. small world. I know, but also I know you're not going to fight me on this, but it is mostly because JJ, you are just an, a magical, you are an amazing magical person and oh. magic happens just for who you are. You it really does. So That's a really- none of it surprised me when you're involved. That's so cool. No one's ever said that to me before. Thank you. Do you, you guys, I don't know if you read, I should have sent this to you ahead of time, but I wrote an essay last month about that day. Oh, so talking no. about magic about that and, and writers. Okay. So after my mom died, I was in a bookstore and I saw it. I was maybe, it was maybe like three years after my mom died. I saw a book called motherless daughters and oh, right. it's yes. by Hope Edelman. And I bought it and I like literally it was, I had it, I bought it in hardback. Like if you look at that book, I haven't, haven't opened it in years, but I recently opened it and it was like highlighted and page and all that. It was totally like my therapy before I actually got myself to therapy. And it really was like a thing that made me feel less alone in the world. And I remember always being like, I need to find her someday and tell her, right? And then I went on this retreat with Laura and I already explained how like life altering that was. And then Laura and I became friends after that. I went back for another retreat and then we just hit it off. And so she's become this like amazing person and like mentor in my life. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to fly. She's going to be at this bookshop in Santa Monica. I'll fly down. I've, you know, I've got friends there, 24-hour trip. I'll fly down. I'll go to the event and I'll fly home. And I was like, I'll get there like an hour early so I can like look around. And so I walked around the corner and Laura's out standing out front and she's talking with someone. So I go up to her and I put my hand on her shoulder and I'm like, hey, Laura, I'll see you inside. And she goes, oh, JJ, I want you to meet Hope Edelman. Hope, stop it. Yes. I'm like, what? Wow. what? I literally like, I don't, I almost died. I almost passed out. I, yes. I think I yeah. had to bend over. I was like, no, no, there's no way. There's no way. And Hope, right. and then I look at her and I go, Hope, I'm like, my mother died when I was 17 and Hope just opened her arms and uh-huh. held me. And she's like, I was oh 17 my when my mom died too. And she was crying. <laughs> I wasn't even crying because I was so like outside yeah. of my Yes. Yes. Right. Anyway. And JJ. I, she, yeah. That we, was the same night. Wasn't the editor that was most interested in your book, the one who got it the most, wasn't she also? Yes. She was the editor of Motherless Daughters. I know. It's the crazy. I can't. What is happening? What is the, what is life? So. (laughs) Exactly. What what is it? What is happening? What is happening? Like, how do you not believe in science? This is like, this is a life. So she, so anyway, she's like, well, Mm -hmm. I have to hope, hope was like, I have to leave, but I want to come back and meet up with you guys later. So take my number. I'm like, okay, I'll take your number, Hope Edelman. Like, and I. And then she, and she ended up, I texted her and she ended up coming back later and hanging out with us with your friend all night long. And yes. then I ended up going with that. Carrie Lee. Yes. I yes. know. This I have a crazy. And then yes. uh, I'll send you guys a photo. And then I ended up 
reaching out to her and going on a retreat, a motherless daughter's retreat just last month, which was like 13 women, all of whom had lost their mothers before we were 21 and of all ages. It was like 20s through 70s. And it was the most like healing, beautiful thing. And Hope was oh. the moderator. Like the, yeah, it was incredible. Anyway. All this yeah. Carrie Lee would love this book. Have you told Carrie Lee she needs to read JJ's book? Yeah, yeah. Carrie I think she was this. 17 when her she lost her father. Her I think dad, it was the same yeah. age. Yeah. But yeah, yeah we oh, – and I, I'm going to tell you again because I know this has to be part of the universe. I was thinking before when you were talking about the shame when your mom died – I was thinking about Clara Bidwell Smith. Have you read The Rules of Inheritance? You have to read it. No, but I'm like, I feel like I'm Claire. I keep seeing her. I think we're connected by so many people, including you yes. and Laura yes. and Suki And Forbes. Hope. She re- used to Hope. run Motherless. Her her mom died of cancer when she was 17. And so uh, she used to run a retreat with Hope. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, so, I definitely. Yeah. Well, you will now meet her, just so you know, because we yes. just put that into she, the universe. Yeah. Right. And yeah. the next time I, you I'm go gonna, out, you're going to meet her. I'm going to get in like a car accident with her today is what's going to happen. She's in, she lives in Mill Valley, I think. Oh my so God. Not, I actually, yeah, she lives in your area. You actually well, could. Does she yes. play tennis? Not the car accident. Good. No, she does no, not no, no play tennis. Accidents. I just mean like does there's going to be drink some wine. She, she definitely drinks wine. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Then yes. it's all going to happen. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, JJ, you, this was amazing. I have been really looking forward to this one for oh. years, by the way, oh. but also just even as we were coming up to it, I was getting all emotional. I'm so proud and amazed. And this book is so special. I, I can't imagine anyone. And I thought about doing this on my own because I was like, oh, me and JJ can just chat. And then you wrote like for you get sent a copy for me and Kate. And I was like, Kate needs to be part of this, which clearly. Yeah. Well, is, and it's and actually fun. It's it. fun for me because Kate hadn't read it. Like it's fun. It's fun right. to have it new perspective right and like yes it's a little crazy to me that after this thing living in my heart and on my desktop for 10 years that like it's starting people are starting to read it you know and like have reactions to it and you guys like have feelings about the characters and that's like that's so cool for me because it's I mean this is but this is kind of the next journey right this is where it's it's just starting um but it's very it's very exciting so thank oh, you. It was yay. it was a pleasure. I loved it. Yay. Thank you. I'm so glad that I got to be part of it. And you guys let me in on the combo. Yes. <laughs> I know. Well, Kane and um, I are going to go p- be tennis partners. And then, Corinne, you're just going to be jealous. You have to take up some tennis is what's going to happen. Yeah. No, no, she'll no, just be our biggest up. cheerleader. Totally, she'll be spreading, I will. You know. 100%. I will be there and I will be on the sidelines eating a sandwich and <laughs> cheering you on. <laughs> 